Welcome to the Five Star Life Show, your home for content related to education, parenting, and changing wrong mindsets so you can live a five-star life. I'm your host, Coach Seth. Let's do this. Welcome back to the Five Star Life Show. I'm your host, Coach Seth, and I'm in studio with my co-host, Coach Mia. Thanks, Seth. We have a fun show today. We've got a great show today. We've got actually producer Brandon is also here at the table. Welcome, producer Brandon. Yeah, I'm right up and right close and personal. With you <laughs> close and personal. So we we have a special guest today. Uh, super excited about this, and we're gonna play a little game. Okay, I want you to think about if you can name who I'm talking about. Okay, so. As a high school player, as a senior back in 88, 1988, he was named a Parade All-American, a McDonald's High School All-American, and uh, he went on to be heavily recruited at a high school, and he was recruited by the University of Notre Dame, which he selected to play for the Golden Dome, uh, was recruited by Digger Phelps, then went on to play for John McLeod. Uh, during his four years, he averaged 15.5 points per game. 11.1 rebounds per game, set a school record with 200 career block shots, becoming the only Notre Dame player to ever lead the team in block shots for four straight years. He then graduated from Notre Dame on time with a degree in accounting, was drafted fifth overall in the 1992 NBA draft by the Denver Nuggets. He played 11 years in the, 11 years in the NBA. Denver Nuggets, Atlanta, Minnesota, Miami. He's now an analyst with ESPN and one of the four personalities on ESPN's College Game Day. Who is he? He's a man of character, a man of integrity, uh, but he's also a husband, a father, a grandfather, and our Five Star Life National Spokesperson. He is LaFonso Ellis. LaFonso, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Where'd you get all that information from? Uh, you know what? I just, off the top of my head, I just, you know, I, I just have running bios of everybody I know in my head. Uh, you happen to have a little more info than the average person out there to uh, to look at. You know, I was thinking about this as I was, you know, putting this info together. When you think about bios, um, you know, what society thinks is really impressive, you have a lot of those things. But I, I wanted to actually ask you, my first question was, if, because you're a very, um, you're an intellect, you're a deep thinker. I'm curious, what would you, how would you have wished I would have introduced you when you talk about LaFonso Wells? I talked about accolades that are impressive to society, but what would you say, man, Seth, this is how I'd like to be expressed as? I, I <laughs> that, that, that's kind of you, uh, the, what what comes to mind is what I say even even at home a a sinner who's been saved by grace through faith in Christ man and uh, that's what motivates and energizes and drives uh, everything that I try to do individually and certainly uh, what my wife and I try to do with in our relationship uh, within our family uh, within our community and within great. Uh, organizations that we have the privilege of being a part of, like Five Star Life. Mm. All right. So I went deep with the first one. I'm going to go real shallow. A NBA All-Star Weekend. Um, how about Mac McClung? 
<laughs> yes, yes, I was <laughs> incredible, right? I, I, I just, I have, I honestly, it's been a while since I've watched a dunk contest. I think I watched part yes. of it last year, but the yeah. format with guys trying like five, six dunks in uh, thirty seconds yes. or four or five seconds, Too much. just yeah. And so this year, I just kind of accidentally sat down. and We were just kind of we had it on, and then Mac McClung does his first dunk. And it is a second. I was like, what in the world? It was just amazing. Mia, did you watch the dunk contest? No, I had a granddaughter's birthday. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> yep. Can't believe you chose the granddaughter's birthday <laughs> over a slam. I know. I know. Shame. <laughs> Mia, did you, did you see the clips? Or the no, highlights? Okay. All right. We Keep know what we're going to do this afternoon in the office. I, I've got to show Mia this because it's yes. really impressive. Yeah. It really is. I got a chance to call uh, one of his games when he was actually at Georgetown. And so I got a chance to see him warm up and I knew about him uh, coming out of high school and to see that guy, I mean, they list him at six, two, but I don't think he's that tall and uh, he's incredibly athletic, but some of the things they pulled out in the slam dunk competition were just ridiculous because many of them were an old take of dunks that we had seen before that he put a new twist on <laughs> it was absolutely incredible yeah just again everyone the, the one though he jump. he has a guy holding the basketball mm -hmm. behind his head he runs jumps up grabs the ball out of his hand jumps over this guy's head taps yes. the backboard and then does a reverse yes. dunk oh my gosh it's just yeah. <laughs> how is that possible <laughs> and and how about where his head was by the rim and again, he's only like six one. It's yeah. so I mean, the 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 artistry and the creativity of his dunks were like second to none. It was incredible. Yeah. So then, so they're pretty, but then mm -hmm. like just first time, just going and doing it. Like I mean, that's definitely something. This will be a historical dunk contest. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Hey, hey Seth, how about the fact that oftentimes you see guys go try to do dunks and maybe they'll take a misstep or the ball doesn't bounce right. If I remember correctly, I think he executed every single dunk the first time. Every dunk the first time. Uh -huh. I don't I don't ever remember seeing a dunk contest where somebody executed every dunk. Like they're probably all tens. It was just crazy. <laughs> crazy. <It was. laughs> hey, Fon's question for you. You know, mm -hmm. we 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 did your intro and I want to turn back the clock a little bit. What was it like, you know, when you're starting to get recruited as a high school kid, um, mm -hmm. growing up being a great athlete, highly recruited, what was, what was that like as a teenager? Um, it's, it's in, in some ways it, it was, it was surreal because it, it, there's a, uh, avalanche effect to it. So some players are, kind of diamonds in a rough that are found at a certain point. And then you have other guys who have been on somewhat of a radar for a particular period of time. I happen to have been the latter. And so you, we being from East St. Louis, Illinois, our high school, we would go participate in the university of Illinois team camp. And so you'd run into all these great players from around the state, uh, particularly from Chicago, and that's, that's where it started. So I would get uh, some form letters from the University of Illinois, um, from Bradley University, several of the uh, good universities in the state of, of Illinois. And then your name starts to kind of uh, get tossed around. And so more people begin to hear about you. Now the contiguous states of, of uh, Indiana, 
uh, and others, all of a sudden you start to get form letters and then you start to go and compete. We didn't have, we, we had AAU, true AAU back then, whereas uh, you, you played games uh, in your area and you had to win your area. And once you won your area, you had to win your region. And then once you won your region, then you got an opportunity to go and compete at the nationals. And so uh, every game was intense and every game meant something. And so the more opportunities that I had and the privilege I had to be able to go compete in those, then all of a sudden my name started to swirl around more nationally. And so started to get more national attention um, going into my sophomore year uh, in high school. And now all those form letters that I was receiving started to be more personal letters uh, that were written by hand. And um, and then once coaches were allowed to, you start to see coaches come visit your school and you would get phone calls. And it, it was it was a lot to deal with. And unlike many, uh, I found it a bit overwhelming. And so to deal with that sense and feeling of being overwhelmed, I intentionally narrowed down. Uh, my choice of schools to four, like immediately, if I remember correctly, I think after my sophomore year. And so it was Illinois, want to honor my state school and Notre Dame in the Midwest, uh, UCLA in the West and Syracuse in the East. And then had, of course, they would invite you to come and do a uh, personal visit. Uh, and so I visited all of the schools, uh, Syracuse, uh, grateful to get an opportunity to spend time with Jim Bayham and his staff and his staff. Uh, but it was cold and rainy and Syracuse is healy. <laughs> so, but, and but and that was fun. in Syracuse heyday when you're getting recruited. Yeah, I mean, that was, that Derek, was they Derek big Coleman, time. Sherman Douglas, you know, those mm-hmm. teams that made elite eight runs. Great point. And uh, those guys are great to me. Great to me. But the uh, cold, the rain, uh, the <laughs> hills, I was like, nah, not quite. The, the gray skies, <laughs> not quite for me. <laughs> so um, I, I, um, I had taken all of my visits by that time. And uh, I remember the day before I signed that morning, my mom asked me where did I decide to go? And I was actually going to go to UCLA and play at UCLA with my great friend, Derek Martin, who was my same class. We, we just, over the years of playing in tournaments together, we developed a really strong bond. And then mom said, babe, is there any way you can stay close to home? And I knew if I were going to stay close to home that I'd go to Notre Dame. And uh <laughs> 30 years, 30, yes, 30 years later, I would make that same decision again. That uh, university, the community, uh, they were so very good to me and treated me as if I was a native born, not one who was had come from another state. And that's that's continued to this very day. Mm. And there's still some bad blood, though, from those East St. Louis people, right, about about you not you, you kind, of, kind of walking away from from the, the Illini. There's a little little hurt there still, isn't there? Yes, there, there was. Unbeknownst to me, there were a lot of people who had made bets that I was going to go to the University of Illinois. And anytime that you're dealing with money, of course, uh, that kind of blinds you to the situation. And uh, yeah, to this day, people are still angry with me that I didn't go to the University of Illinois. It all comes back to money for some yep. people. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And then the, cas- the cascading effect of that one was that there's, uh, you know, many of the University of Illinois players that were playing in the NBA by then. And so when I would play against a team, uh, in fact, one of them was on my team, and uh, they gave me the cold shoulder for a long period of time until they oh learned that uh, the the information that they had received was false. And then uh, after maybe about six-year period in the NBA, they, they started to uh, uh, warm up to me a little bit. Boy, there's a lesson there, isn't there? Wow. 
there's a, there's a lesson in where you get your information from and being a truth seeker, which you are. We've got to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back with more LaFonzo Ellis after this. Did you know that you can bring the values, lessons, and mindsets Coach Seth discusses on the Five Star Life podcast to your local community? Schools are searching for programs and content that work. Just a simple introduction to your teacher or principal could be a game changer in your community. Inquire at fivestarlife.org and someone from our team will be in touch. Welcome back to the Five Star Life Show. I'm your host, Coach Seth, and I'm joined in studio with Coach Mia, uh, producer Brandon. <laughs> Thank you. And the one and only LaFonzo Ellis. Uh, LaFonzo, uh, we had to break for commercial, but you, you're going to go into kind of the backstory of, of that whole uh, selection process. Sure. The The backstory to the cold shoulder was that uh, there was a rumor out there that the University of Illinois was illegally recruiting me, uh, which was false. Uh, and so fast forwarding that, I'm at the University of Notre Dame by now. And I can't remember if it was the spring of my freshman year or the fall of my sophomore year. It was one of those two. Uh, the reason that resonates with me is because my I, my wife, who's been my wife for 30 years, I tell everyone she's been my girlfriend for 33 years and my wife for 30. She and I started to date the uh, fall of uh, my sophomore year. And so it was around that time where it was like really hot and heavy. But uh, yes, the rumor was that University of Illinois uh, illegally recruited me. And so all of a sudden, that while I was at Notre Dame, the NCAA began to make calls and come and make inquiries and were threatening to take away my NCAA eligibility if I didn't, if I gave them false or misleading information or didn't tell them the truth about uh, Illinois' recruitment of me. So I continued boiling this down. I continued to say to them that they did not illegally recruit me. Fast forwarding, it, they found that uh, a, I won't say his name, but a gentleman who had gone to Illinois the year after me so a year under me so if i was a sophomore he was a freshman they had found evidence that they illegally recruited him however the national story was that um that i had told the ncaa that illinois uh illegally recruited me to keep me from getting being ineligible and so all of the illinois fans whether home or away including uh my my new teammate in the nba and other players uh, throughout uh, the NBA that had played in Illinois all bought that story without looking at the fact that, no, they didn't illegally recruit me. I didn't say a thing because they didn't illegally recruit me, but they were found to have illegally recruited this guy, which is a large story. And unfortunately, I became the fall guy of all that mm -hmm. animus and hatred. And so that 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 was tough to deal with. And it impacted all kinds of relationships, even at home. There was a time that one of my former high school teammates, he's like, Fonz is really hot right now, so don't don't come home because he was concerned about my safety. Wow. Wow. That, that had to be like the twilight zone. Just, I mean, as a 19, 20-year-old kid, <laughs> all of a sudden you're being attacked and none of it's legitimate. Um, mm -hmm. what, what a firestorm. Now, now, did you have people around you helping you walk through that, like protecting yourself, or were you on your own? I was on my own. And so, you know, there, there's this, especially at 19 years of age, there's this fight or flight uh, that takes place. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I knew how to do at that time, because I didn't know who to trust. Like, I didn't know if the inquiry to the NCAA was uh, from my coaches, from my hometown, my high school, 
the guy who taught me how to play the game was it coach phelps at, at notre dame i had no idea and so I, I I just fled. And so I cut all communications to anyone. And again, by that time, I was dating my wife and uh, dating my future wife. And she and my mother-in-law were an absolute solace to me. They I could I would go into the house. Mom and I would have these long conversations and kind of sharing with her. So during that time, they were they were my uh, protection and my rock. And um, but I am grateful that many years later, the truth about all of that came out. And uh, but it's almost like uh, those who participate in the Olympics and you have someone who doped and got an advantage and won it. And all of a sudden they get the gold medal and all of the uh, all of the the endorsements and all of that stuff that comes along with it, only to find out three years later they they were tested, found for doping. And then all of a sudden they go, hey, Seth, actually, because you came in second place, you're the gold medal winner. <laughs> so. Mm. <laughs> you, you, so you don't get all the benefits of having won the gold back then because someone someone had cheated. And so that's what it felt like uh, during that time. But God's been faithful and merciful with it. And uh, it, it's it's come around big time over the years. But it, it was a long time in coming. And that feeling uncomfortable around those from your hometown and, and others is uh, I wouldn't want any kids to go through that experience. That's for sure. Heard a, <clears throat> a person say, uh, time, truth, and fruit never lie. Mm. And I think it's such a good reminder because sometimes in those moments, um, it's amazing how if you don't have those people to guide you and direct you, if you don't have that solace, you can get inside your head and it can lead you to making decisions that, that, that aren't helpful when mm-hmm. just kind of playing it out and being true to your character. It's amazing how that always, like over time, the, the truth comes out. Sure, sure. Very grateful. It, it, and it's funny, Seth, because uh, two years ago, three years ago, in the last three or four years, Notre Dame played at Illinois because I live in South Bend and I'm a Notre Dame guy. My ESPN bosses wanted to put me on that game. So I called them up and said, look, this is a great game, two top 25 teams, and I don't want this issue to become a story. And so uh, we all agreed to take me off of that game so that the game could exist by itself and that not be com- become an issue. And so it, it those myths, truths can uh, can can condemn you for a long period of time and have impacts and have an impact uh, even in the latter part of your life. But again, praise God for His grace and mercy because a lot of that stuff is uh, has come around. See, you know, there's a lot of people funds that would have took advantage of that opportunity as, hey, this is my opportunity. We can make this the story, right? We can, in, in a subtle way, we can make this the story and and just bring the truth out. There's a lot of people that would have taken that angle if they had that position. And I think people would probably would have went along with it. Like, yeah, this is a great idea. Um, so kudos to you for the the humility that you're keeping in all about the kids. Um, I love that about you. I, one of the questions I wanted to ask was about transitions. And obviously you're sharing a lot about the transition from high school to college. I think how we transition in life is such an important, important thing. I mean, whether, you know, we have people listen to our show and, and they comment about how it's helping them change their own mindset, whether they're trying to make parenting changes, career changes, mm. health changes, faith change, whatever it is, sure. it, the transitions in life are so important. What, what would you say when you think about the transition from high school to college and then college to the NBA, there are certain things that you had to transition. You had to make adaptations, right? 
to, to succeed mm-hmm. at the next level? And I'm, that's kind of a deep question, but can you think of a, anything that was key in you transitioning from college to, or high school to college and then college to the NBA? Yeah, the the transition from high school to college was was challenging for me. And I, I had always been a, a really good student and uh, with good work habits. Uh, however, going to the University of Notre Dame and being in a new environment alone um, uh, and, and then the academic rigor that came along with it. And I, I ended up getting behind. And what happened during that time is uh, my pride blinded me to ask to go ask for help because I was so I was like, wait, 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 wait. You're you're a high school uh, state. Uh, academic honors guy, a national academic honors guy, and you here struggling with your academics at Notre Dame, that's embarrassing. And so instead of going and asking for help, uh, I just tried to kind of figure it out on my own. And the more I tried to figure it out on my own, the bigger that snowball uh, became. And I found myself underwater and, and behind. And so that's partly what led to my two academic ineligibilities as I was pursuing my accounting degree. Uh, but, uh, then all of a sudden, uh, and, and I kind of, I lost, I, I like to say it like this. I, I lost my academic mojo and confidence. And then all of a sudden, um, the first semester of my junior year, starting the second semester of my junior year, it's almost like I got it back. And that's actually a tough time because, um, in back then your junior year in accounting, you take two 18 hour semesters. So this that's six classes mm-hmm. while playing ball. It, it's, it's, it's really, really hard. And so again, it's, it's now looking back and saying, man, God was merciful during that time that, uh, cause, cause Jennifer and I were months away from having our first child. And it's like that experience is like, all right, dude, you need to wake up. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. you gotta wake up and, 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 and get this thing going. Otherwise it's going to continue to go sideways. And so I still say to this day, that that experience uh, gave me my mental toughness and and academic uh, prowess back to pursue, and I almost made the dean's list two semesters in a row, and, uh, and and finished strong and was able to graduate on time. And so my encouragement would be to any uh, young person transitioning to college is it, it's a challenge for anyone, no matter how uh, strong you are academically, and if you find yourself. Uh, behind or uncomfortable or unsure, do always be comfortable asking uh, for help. It's okay to ask for help. Those people are there and employed to help you. And they have uh, systems in place to be able to help someone who's struggling, even someone who has the aptitude to be able to do it. And so that would be my advice uh, to a, a young person transitioning. The basketball part uh, was was. I won't say it, it was easy because there were little things. My, my talent and skill kind of take over um, and 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 fill in some of those spaces where you may be lacking. Uh, the hardest part there was learning how to never take a play off because uh, when, when you're talented, uh, you have a tendency, let's say the ball goes up and you're a really good rebounder on the defensive end, your tendency is to say, ah, just go get it. But the problem is those guys on the, on the other side of the, of the floor – they're pretty good too. And, and your mental lapse at that moment and taking for granted that you're just going to go get the rebound can, and you don't get it, gives them an offensive rebound opportunity. And, and if they score it, 
that could be the two points that you lose by in the end. And so the hardest thing to learn at that point on the basketball floor was, was how hard you have to play and how consistently hard you have to play and how you have to be mentally locked in for every single second that you're out there on the floor. Otherwise, it can cost you teammates and your team. That's good. Hey, we got to take another quick commercial break. We'll be right back with more LaFonso Ellis after this. Five Star Life is a not-for-profit organization dedicated to changing the face of culture by changing kids' mindsets. Since 2005, we've impacted hundreds of thousands of lives thanks to the generous support of individuals, small businesses, corporations, and foundations. Are you interested in helping Five Star Life grow into all 50 states? With your donation or introduction, you can help bring Five Star Life to your community, school, and state. Go to fivestarlife.org and send us an email today. That's F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R-L-I-F-E dot O-R-G. Welcome back to the Five Star Life Show. I'm your host, Coach Seth, and I'm here in studio with Coach Mia and producer Brandon and Lafonso Ellis. And um, we were just talking about, you know, transitions in life. And, you know, there's a lot of people transitioning in work They've got kids that are transitioning. There's so many things that are happening with health in, in this culture that we're in today. And I was asked Lafonso about the importance of the transition, what he learned from high school to college, and just ask, learning to ask for help. Um, and I think there's so few people, even as adults, that, that can do that. I mean, it's hard for us to ask for help. It's a humbling thing. You also shared one time um, that now how sports is, they really set times for studying and they move the meals. But you shared that there were times that you practiced so long, like you missed meals. <laughs> I mean, that that's hard. Like, And you said that Jennifer and her mom played a huge part um, in providing meals and support for you. But like what, how would you like tell someone, Fonz, to like, I guess, like find that support system? Yeah, I, I think because of the mental health aspect that's come into life in general, but particularly in, in, in sports, is the, the support systems in place uh, right now throughout. Uh, now, I, I deal primarily at the uh, high uh, Division One level, but even with Walter and Grand Canyon, the support systems that they have in place now are far superior to what we had 30 years ago. And it, it's almost as if, Mia, you have to say, I'm not willing to participate in it in order for uh, you to not uh, benefit from the support systems mm. that they have in, that they have in place now. The the one of the reasons why um, you know, hunger was an issue at times when we were in school is when practice was over. Oftentimes, you know, we had like 10, 15 minutes maybe to be able to make it to what we used to call the South Dining Hall, the mess hall. It was awesome uh, to, to get there. And sometimes when we got there, it was closed because we didn't have like the football team, we didn't have a uh, training table afterwards. And so if you missed that meal, you, you were cooked because it's not like I had money to be able to go over and buy a meal uh, afterwards. And all of that's even changed now for, for student athletes that they have um, in some school, like Walter, for example, example has unlimited swipes. Like he can go to any uh, food facility that they have on campus and swipe his card and get as much food as he wants. That, that wasn't available 
uh, to us back then. But um, yeah, my mother-in-law, my wife, certainly, you know, if I was hungry, sugar would bring me over some food or pick me up and we'd go get some food. And uh, she, she, well, you met Amir. She, she, I, I, I am without, enough adjectives to describe how wonderful my wife is and she's been that way for the 33 years that we've been together but they if i didn't have them i'm not sure what i would have been able to do uh for, for meals maybe borrow money from uh my, my dorm mates and that's mm-hmm. challenging because i didn't have any money to pay them back but again uh praise god that the that whole uh, landscape has changed dramatically for the better for the student athletes these days yeah, I, I tell people, anybody that went to college on any kind of scholarship or playing sports in the 90s, like college kids were the poorest, like our basketball athletes were the poorest kids on campus because right. you didn't have time, you couldn't get a job to earn money. Correct. And so like, it's craziest. Then you had, we had guys on my team that were like moonlighting, like they're kind of working yes. under the table mm. trying to make ends yeah. meet. And this is then how you get into some of these scandals. It's almost yes. like they're 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 just trying to make it work. They're trying to survive, yes. and a lot of people yeah. don't understand that. They just kind of look at mm-hmm. them as they're bad kids, like they're not bad kids. Um, mm-hmm. So it's interesting. I, I do want to shift gears a little bit because I want to ask you about the transition from college to the NBA. Um, that, that's I'm I'm so interested to know. You learned to ask for help was important going from high school to college. Going from college to the NBA, what were the major adaptations you had to make? Because, I mean, the average career in the NBA is not 11 years. You far surpassed uh, the average length. How did you do that? What did you have to adapt to? Uh, the, the travel. Uh, you know, Shig and I are really, really tight, and we don't like being apart. <laughs> and uh, back then, we flew commercial. And so um, let's say I, I remember distinctly, we played the Lakers in LA uh, one night, and then we were going to play the Clippers at home the next night. So that meant that, uh, so obviously LA's on uh, Pacific time and we were on mountain time. And so after that game, we had to find food, uh, get back to the hotel and see if we could scrounge up some food. Um, you're probably in bed by maybe one, two o'clock, three o'clock, uh, wake up call because we got to hurry up and get to the airport so that we can fly commercial, uh, back to Denver, um, get, and I think, what time did we get in? I think we got, we, we arrived around nine 30, maybe 10 AM. Then you got to hustle home, try to get a nap and then get over to the arena to play against an L.A. Clippers oh team that's been sitting there waiting for you for about 48 hours. Oh, my and goodness. So, and so later on is when uh, we started to have um, uh, private planes available to us. But the first year of travel was rough. It, it, it was really tough because of those. You know, We, did, we didn't have uh, the ability to be able to take a night off and say, I'm not going to play tonight or – you know, we would have those sets where we would play uh, six games in eight days, two day, two, two games, day off, two games, day off, two day, two days. We didn't have that rest management schedule that they have these days. Oh <laughs> so it's, it's a lot different. Yeah, I think that the scheduling has gone to a whole nother level, which yes. I mean, when you're in L.A., you'd think you might play two L.A. teams while there. What about yeah. Lafonso? What about? the 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 uh, 
mindset side of it or the, the, the personal side of, yes, travel is totally different. It's crazy. So just physically learning how to get rest and how to handle travel. But what about, was there a difference in the mental part of the game or the life or the business side of sports? Or was that an easy transition for you? Um, the, the, the playing part uh, w- was, and I, I put air quotes around easy, and and you know my role was as, as the starting power forward is to I need to score rebound and block shots. So there's a simplicity that comes along with that. Um, the, if, if there was something I had to do o- that I would do over is all of the personal responsibility of things that we had going on in our lives fell to Jennifer. So Jay's now a young 22 year old mom of one, and now having to manage essentially a uh, small, small, small Fortune 500 company with all the responsibilities that we had throughout our families. Both of us coming from poverty uh, supported our, 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 so we had a home supporting both of our moms and then my oldest son. We, there's just a lot to manage and all of that fell on Jennifer's shoulders that she managed beautifully. Uh, so that 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 part was hard. That that It, it was really, really hard to um, to 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 deal with all of that and then of course um being one of the our better players then you had all your responsibilities that came with the team itself and their their corporate partners and 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 signing autographs and it it was it was a lot (laughs) it was a lot uh challenging but we made it through and finally got into a rhythm around our fourth season (laughs) third and fourth season Mm. Incredible. Uh, awesome things to learn. There, there's so much there learning about how to deal with transitions in life. Um, whether it's asking for help or just learning how to manage yourself, manage your life. It's a big deal. Yes. We, we got to take a, another quick commercial break and we're going to come back and wrap the, uh, the show up here with Lafonso Wells in the break. If you're not driving, go to five starlife.org to get involved, to donate, to learn more, to bring five select to your school. Five Star Life offers year-round programs for kids at our 350-acre training facility that we call Summit. These programs focus on three core components. First, each program includes lessons from our curriculum that targets kids' mindset. Secondly, each program teaches a skill like equine, archery, blacksmithing, basketball, fishing, boating, and many more. Thirdly, our programs connect kids to mentors we call coaches who are trained to help kids live a five-star life. Go to 5starlife.org to learn more or sign up your kids. Welcome back to the 5 Star Life Show. I'm your host, Coach Seth, and I'm joined in studio with Coach Mia, producer Brandon, and LaFonzo Ellis. Welcome, LaFonzo. Thank you. Great to be with you all. In the last segment, we were talking about, well, you were talking about, um, you know, basketball was simple uh, in the NBA. You know, you were you know, like, I, I need to score. I need to get rebounds, need to block shots, which just if, if you're on Twitter or on YouTube, just just uh, type in the search engine, Lafonso block shots. The, the man could block some shots, uh, arguably the best shot blocker ever, just some nasty blocks that were just, I don't know. I know you're a nice person, but on the court, you were just a beast, <laughs> uh, just demoralized players. <laughs> So just doing my job. <laughs> just, just part of the job, part of the territory. Uh, Lafonso, you know, you talked about the transition to the NBA and learning how to manage uh, your life 
And at the break, you talked a little bit about boundaries and how important they are, which everybody in life, a part of success is learning how to set boundaries for our time, for our lives, for our kids, for our, our relationships. Talk about that. Yes. If, if I, if, if I could say this to a younger person who had come from similar background with wife, child, et cetera, uh, what I would say to that person is, is, you know, you have to apply proper boundaries and understand that your first line of responsibilities to your wife, your next is to your, your kids, if you're blessed to have them and everybody else can kind of figure it out. <laughs> and, uh, I didn't understand uh, proper boundaries at that time, just because, you know, when you come from families of origin who have need, uh, that has a tendency to kind of cloud what your first and second lines of, of responsibilities are. And if I look back and wish I could have done anything over, it would be that I needed to protect Jennifer and from, from the onslaught of asks uh, that were coming from uh, extended family and from even outside of that to make sure that uh, I'm, I'm protecting and providing for her to the best of my ability and likewise uh, for our young child because we had our second child, PJ, who's now married, uh, has a uh, daughter. I'm a granddad. <laughs> and, uh, Congratulations. Uh, to, to, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I would have been able to protect, provide and, and, and them a lot better if I would have understood proper boundaries. It's something that, um, you know, we, we teach in five star something we, mm -hmm. we try to model. It's something that you actually have been a part of with some of the high profile players that we've had um, in sitting down with them and just being kind of a source, a consortium, a, a voice, a sounding board to say, hey, listen, and it's interesting. Um, one of the uh, young men we're, we're talking to, he's having a lot of success, and he, <laughs> his dad just said, man, we have family we've never heard of coming out of the woodwork right now. Yes, yes. So I, I want to I shift and ask one more question. Um, you know, you, you have a heart. Maybe we can get two in here. You have a heart for kids. Um, where did that come from, Lafonso? I, th I think it's always uh, been there, but certainly heightened when we had our children and our kids would bring their friends over and uh, they would ask me to come and speak to their schools or be a volunteer coach and just understanding the impact a positive impact that we adults can have in young people's lives. We tend to think that there's this big uh, age differentiation, this big age gap that keeps us from being able to relate uh, to the younger generation. And so we kind of use that as an excuse to not get engaged or involved. Well, many of the schools that our kids have gone to are, especially my boys, uh, were their teammates and friends were, were, in fatherless families. And so in many ways I became like all of uh, PJ's and Walter's closest friends to this day call me Unc. And, and so when they would bring them over, I'd go pick them up, uh, had an opportunity to be able to invite them over to our home. And they slept over our home. They took naps, they ate sandwiches, ate meals with us. And they gave us, gave me the opportunity to actually be able to speak into their lives. And so uh, the, the, I mean, what a precious gift and opportunity it is from God to be able to speak and to, to have someone trust you enough to be able to speak into their lives. And even to this day, 
um, you know, 10, 15 years after our kids have been out of school, I still have relationships with many of their, their friends who will call me up and ask me for advice or et cetera. And so uh, I, I think coming from a fatherless home myself, I recognize the importance of fathers and, and positive male leadership or positive males to be in the lives of, of, of those kids who are without fathers. And so uh, I, now that I've kind of fleshed that out, because I've never asked myself that question, is uh, I, I'm, I'm confident that that's where it comes from. Mm-hmm. And, and what caused you to want to get involved with Five Star Life? Uh, two, two things. Uh, when I lived in Denver, Jennifer and I were involved with a ministry called, five, uh, called uh, The Sky's the Limit. And we would have uh, camps uh, during the summer, free camps for any city kids. And we had 40 acres of land north of Denver uh, that had a sleepy river. We had archery. We had all of these things uh, to, to uh, allow the kids to be able to enjoy while at the same time get an opportunity to speak, uh, to share the gospel with the kids. And one of the things that uh, always bothered me uh, with it was we didn't have the ability once those six weeks of camp were over, we didn't have the ability to stay connected with them throughout the year because uh, any seeds that are planted with anyone need to be nurtured. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't have the ability to do that. And so Jennifer happened to be listening to your show uh, when we moved to town 15 years ago and she would listen, listen, listen every weekend. And she said one day, she's like, baby, she said, there's a five-star life uh, ministry out there that I think you'd be a great fit for. And I was like, sure, are you trying to <laughs> give me more work? <laughs> 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 and then, of course, there's six degrees of separation. You, Seth, uh, had, have known my middle son, PJ, for a long time. And then I got a chance to experience what five-star life is about. And five-star life is essentially uh, the sky's the limit, but has the ability to be able to stay in contact, connected, and continue to pour into kids beyond uh, our summer camp experience. And obviously with what's going on in education these days and our ability to be able to have a positive impact and get education back to where it should be and, and getting kids uh, to see their value and, and uh, teaching them personal responsibility and respect and trying to bring up a generation who understands what the word integrity means. Uh, it, it was like a slam dunk for me, and I, I'm honored and and humbled by the opportunity to play a small role in Five Star Life. We got time for we got one minute. What would you say to parents who want the best for their kids? I know you have a son that's your youngest is his last year of college. What would you say to parents who have kids in sports right now? Looking back, would you do anything different? Do you have any tips? Uh, d- don't buy into the lie that the, that, that you have to participate in every single aspect of sport for your son or daughter to be uh, successful. And if that is the direction you decide to go, um, we, we have your kids under meaning playing for men and women who, um, are people of integrity and teaching your kids the, the right thing. And of course I'm, I'm, I'm a bit biased here, and that's why I would recommend that parents who want their kids involved in sports and want well-rounded kids that are, are kids of character while being uh, really good athletes, uh, Five Star Life is the place to send your kids. Lafonso, thank you so much for your time. Just want to acknowledge, um, as a person, as I've gotten to know you over the last few years, uh, your character, your integrity speaks for itself. You represent 
yourself, your person so well. You've got a wonderful wife, wonderful family, and we're honored to call you our national spokesperson. Thanks so much for tuning this week. Go to fivestarlife.org. At Five Star Life, we are changing the face of culture through education and sports by changing the most important piece of a human being's life, their mindset. If you are interested in being a part of our journey, please visit fivestarlife.org for more information on volunteer and donation opportunities.